Hello world, welcome to the Laid Off Lounge. With more people than ever facing unemployment challenges, we wanted to make a place where people can come together to tell their story, have a cocktail, and let it go. Carol McCarty and Billy Jack Nelson are joined by guests across all walks to discuss their experiences with the unemployment crisis. Hey, this is Carol. I'm unemployed. And this is my co-host, Billy Jack, who's also unemployed. Joining us today in the Laid Off Lounge is my good friend, Meredith Diamond. Meredith has spent the last year as the Dean of Students at a small K-12 school on an island off the coast of Maine. And she is here today to talk about what it's like to be navigating our nationwide shift to remote learning while also looking for a new job. Hey, Meredith. Hello. Hi, Caroli. Welcome to Laid Off Lounge. Thank you so much for being our, our, um, our guest today. And I wanted to introduce you to my co-host, Billy Jack. Hello. Hi. Very Hi. glad to meet you finally. Glad to meet you too. We just want to spend some time with you and have like an awesome conversation with you and just kind of talk about your situation, kind of what you're going through, being at home. Let's just dive in here. Why don't you tell Billy Jack and I a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Well, I am a career educator. I spent 16 years teaching high school English uh, in different districts around the state of Maine. And I started at my first year as an administrator in July of 2019. I was hired to be the Dean of Students at a small school, K to 12 school on an island off the coast of Maine. My wife also works at the school. She's the PE teacher. So together we have been commuting on a boat back and forth every day to this little island. And as a small district, they have to make some difficult financial choices. We have, you know, just about 90 kids in grades K to 12. So I learned on February 24th that my position uh, was being dissolved and that next year they're going to revert to having just one administrator in the building. So I found out um, just before the, the COVID-19 crisis hit that I would be looking for a job and that seemed much less daunting before the entire world was shut down. That's um, much more articulate than mine. My uh, <clears throat> position was eliminated, which is much harsher than a dissolve. So I like the way that you're phrasing that, but it still still sucks nonetheless. Um, so so when did that when did when did you hear from them that that the position was no longer going to to exist? So I was actually um, running a faculty meeting. We were talking about some shifts we were making in our student information system, and I you know, was talking in the front of the room with all of our teachers and the head of school popped his head in and said that the superintendent wanted to see me before I had to catch the boat that day. Oh. And working on our school, there is a pace uh, that is increasingly frantic toward the end of the day because everyone is nervous about missing the boat, right? And the reality is that if you miss that last boat off the island, there's not another one. Yeah. It's important to get off the island, especially when, like us, you have a, a baby who, who you're also bringing back and forth over the bay. 
And so I had this kind of sink in my stomach knowing that for the superintendent to want to see me before I caught the boat while I'm simultaneously leading a faculty meeting, you know, could only point to a couple of things and none of them are good. So yeah, totally. I ended yeah, I ended the meeting early and and hustled down there and he told me that uh, he believed that by the end of the evening, the school board was going to vote to eliminate my position, which to be fair, dissolve is my word. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the word used was cut. So I was, told, I was told that in a meeting, I took the boat home, made the drive back to the house, and at about 10 o'clock that night, got the text message saying that it had indeed been done, so. Ah, uh, gotcha. So did it catch you off guard, or were you pretty prepared for it? It sounds like the situation may have caught you off guard, but. It was out of the blue because of the fact that, you know, this was a position that had just been created. And it was a position that the town believed was a piece of the future of the district. It was a fixture of their 10-year plan. And you know, taking the leap from a secure uh, tenured position in a school to an administrative position in the state of Maine, administrators are not protected by tenure. So every administrator is vulnerable to the duration of their contract, whatever that is, it's often um, either two or three years. You know, whereas if you're a teacher with tenure in a district, um, there's a lot of protection that comes with that. So to leave a tenured position for an administrative position, you know, is a risk in and of itself. But um, because it was a new position, I had the, I was under the impression that it was uh, an investment that the town was making really deliberately that would offer me a chance to make a real impact. So, so Meredith, you mentioned that, you know, obviously during this unemployment crisis where there's more than what, 60, how many million people today? 17 plus. Yeah. 17 million people are unemployed as of April 15th, 2020. And you are employed until the end of the school year, even though you guys are not reporting into school. I'm assuming that Maine is on a stay at home mandate right now. So I think with that, what is, what is, what's the workflow like for you, A, having to just work from home remotely for a little tiny, you know, uh, school on an island? So you're, you're correct. We are all at a stay-at-home order, but I think that folks at our school, like at most schools across the country, are in this this really profound conundrum right now in that, you know, up until this point, there was a narrative about schools that hinged on the ways in which they were falling short and the ways in which societal ills and, you know, kids' challenges could somehow be traced back to failures of school. And in this crisis, something that has become shockingly clear in some communities is the degree to which schools were filling voids that really are not educational, right? They are feeding people, they are providing healthcare, they are right. providing mental health services, they are anchoring them to an, a, the network within a community that is holding the community together. And it felt like almost overnight, there was this shock of realization about the important roles that schools play in a way that you know, led everyone to turn to them for answers and turn to them for guidance about how to navigate the situation. And that is happening while simultaneously you have 
hundreds of thousands of educators who are for the first time having to do things in a way that they've never learned how to do them. Many of them have never had to acclimate to the kinds of instruction that we are now having to employ. They are suddenly in not just working with students, but in their students' homes, teaching their kids while their parents are sitting next to them. Yeah, that was my, that was like my next question. Sorry to interrupt you, like just kind of having this more of like a conversational piece, because as you're saying all this information, like you and, and your wife are at home and you have three kids. You have a t you've got two teenagers, one's in high school, one's in middle school. So they're being homeschooled basically with instructions from two different schools as you guys are also trying to do your schooling from afar. So how, how is that working out? Um, well, or, it's or I should say like, what's your challenges with that? Well, as you can see um, from, your, from my image, I'm, I'm in my basement tucked away in a hidey hole that enables my sound to be limited to this space while we have other Zoom meetings that are going on in other parts of the house. And while we have a, an 11-month-old who slaps on the tile floor upstairs, I can hear as he moves from corner of the house to corner of the house, being chased by whomever it is, is dedicating that moment in time to making sure the baby doesn't injure himself so that everybody else can be engaged in whatever it is they're having to do on their computers. But, you know, this is, this is our version of this, right? This is being tackled by teachers across the country. And it is, um, you know, they're all different degrees and, and layers of overwhelm. And simultaneously, schools and the people who keep them running are, ha are, are upholding, you know, parts of communities that they didn't know were their responsibility, but that, that suddenly are. Right. And as an administrator, my role has been really to, you know, keep, keep the things going that give us a sense of normalcy. Um, I'm running our third quarter report cards tonight to get those out to parents. Tomorrow, we're having a virtual all-school meeting um, where we're talking about things like student birthdays and kids who have won writing contests and college acceptances, um, you know, trying to keep the sense of community going while simultaneously, you know, in the background, having meetings with teachers where, you know, we take turns crying about the feeling of isolation that we have because we know our kids are depending on us. We know that our, our children and our homes are depending on us. And we're trying to keep both of those plates spinning in a way that, um, you know, we've never had to do before. Oh, wow. Um, my, my partner, my partner used to be in higher education and he's in HR now. His two sisters are, um, educators at a private school in San Antonio, a private school that has not been particularly progressive in terms of technology. So he's constantly being the, the, the help desk for them and how to, how to stand up Zoom meetings and all these other tools that they've never had to use before. What, what does a day in the life look like for you guys right now? Um, so a day in the life... Um, at the Diamond Household. At the Diamond Household. So one piece about the, uh, the day in the life in the Diamond Household is that um, you know, there are these small graces that, that this circumstance has afforded us. Uh, I joke about the fact that everybody needs a Jewish wife um, because these days my Jewish wife <laughs> is, is not only making sure that, you know, the laundry is still done and that 
Um, the kids are going to bed at a reasonable hour, but she is also preparing us um, a multi-course brunch and dinner every day. Fantastic. Yeah, we're getting to enjoy having um, a meal around the table together at breakfast, a meal around the table together at dinner every day, which is something that, you know, in the absence of so many other routines has kind of kept us feeling like mm. we have, um, you know, a steady course that we're, we're following. If there is one part of our life that has benefited from this social isolation, it's been our, our physical fitness. We have been all on the Pelotons every day. Oh my God, uh, that's awesome. so amazing. We call it yeah. um, a couple of Corona upsides, you know, trying to find those silver linings. And I, I love that you, you talked about that, you know, like it's the return of the family dinner. And, you know, we have a very non-traditional living situation. Me and my partner and one of our best friends is our roommate. We cook every day together and we eat every day together and we drink every day together, which we're trying to maybe not do as much of that, but, and, you know, have made time where we, we didn't do this going into our corporate jobs every day, make time um, to take care of ourselves physically and mentally. Like someone's meditating over in a corner or someone's doing yoga over in this corner. And anyway, I, I think there are a few small graces. I think that was beautifully put. So, um, so Meredith, a question for you. Um, you're, you're still employed till the end of the school year. And at what point, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you're going, that you're as, I mean, think about it, you've, you're at home, working from home, managing kids from home and everything. You still have to look for a job, right? Because I don't know if like the process for looking for work is things pop up throughout the back end of the school year because that's when most either teachers or administrative people leave to go to their next job, retire or, or, you know, so forth on that. But um, will you have to, like, if you don't get a job by a certain, is there a certain cutoff point if you don't get a job that you need to file for unemployment? Applying for jobs as I can, but as you can probably imagine, the the landscape out there is pretty dark right now. You know, teachers and administrators who may have been thinking about making a change at the end of the school year are, you know, staying put because of the insecurity created in so many other parts of their lives. You know, retirees have watched their retirement savings evaporate um, and are having to recalculate their planning in that regard. So I am... I'm applying as I can, but the reality is that at this point, there is not much out there. No, I mean, you're going through a lot and handling it with a lot of grace. <laughs> what advice do you have for other people in your situation? Well, I have been, um, one of the teachers in my building and I have started a an email correspondence that really is more characteristic of the, you know, meandering, letters that people used to write to each other as opposed to emails. And, um, you know, this is a colleague who, when we were in the building together, was across the hall from me. Um, so we were able to kind of just pop in and out of each other's rooms when there was something to reflect on. Um, but now we have started this email correspondence and part of that correspondence has, um, I mean, in some ways it's deepened our, our friendship and our, wow. um, our, you know, professional relationship in that we are, you know, thinking carefully about big questions. And one of those questions is, 
figuring out what it is that we are willing to give um, and what it is that we're not willing to give. Uh, you know, commuting to an island is a huge commitment. You know, our family um, for the duration of this year up until um, social distancing was commuting two hours each way every day, um, my wife and I and our baby. And um, it was family time, right? Because we were driving together and that's sort of how we rationalized it. But suddenly with the transition to being home, we had four hours a day extra that we had been, you know, we had given up before. And um, so I, one of, um, one of the, the themes running through this correspondence with my, my colleague has been this as a moment of um, reconsideration, right? Reconsideration of all of those decisions that have somehow felt inevitable felt unavoidable, but that we now have the, the space to, to step back from and think like, okay, well, is that the way that I want to continue? Um, is that the infrastructure I want for my life? Is that the investment of time that I want for my family? And um, that's something that is reminding me of when I was an English teacher, I used to, I used to teach uh, an essay assignment that grew from NPR's This I Believe project. Um, that. Students would you know, have to think about, okay, well, if you have to, if you have to identify one driving belief that you have, then, um, th then what is it? And how do you articulate it in a way that is compelling to others? And leading up to this assignment, I would talk with students about how um, they could well end up as 30 or 40 or 50 year olds sitting in a life that, um, was nothing that they would have designed for themselves if they had intentionally sat down, right, as an 18-year-old or a 22-year-old and thought into their future. Um, but that for so many of us, life is something that we that we we one day wake up and and notice as if it has just come out of nowhere. And this moment is, in some ways, it feels like our chance to think, okay, well, is this the life that I that I want? Is this a life I would have designed for myself if I could have done so? Um, you know, we don't usually have the space and the time to do that. And I feel in some ways like um, that is, is the opportunity that, that my, I have, that my family has, that, you know, all of us who are in this, in this predicament have to some degree. And then the question becomes, um, well, what are the movable pieces um, that we now suddenly feel empowered to take charge of? And, and how can we arrange them in a way that is most true? Um, to the life that we we want for ourselves. Man, that is, I think that's awesome taking that time to self self reflect and reprioritize and think about the life that you want. I think that's incredible. Um, yeah, handling everything so beautifully. Oh uh, my God, Meredith. Yeah, I, thank you so much for your time, and I am just sending nothing but amazing vibes for the Diamond Tribe back there in Maine. I know that something's gonna pop for you guys, it always does. Yeah, and the thing I really look forward to, oh, go ahead, Meredith, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I think, I mean, you know, that's in some ways the, you know, best case scenario, right? Like taking this opportunity to, to leap into something that you maybe wouldn't have had the time or the impetus to leap into before, and then, you know, kind of see what comes of it. Yeah, I think it's awesome. 
Again, Meredith, thank you so much for your time yeah. tonight. We really enjoyed having you on the Laid Off Lounge, and we look forward to maybe hearing from you again and just um, catching up and seeing where you're at, like as things progress. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was mine. Got a story for us? Hit us up at info at laidofflounge2020.com.